there. Welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. On this podcast, we go in depth with leading experts from all walks of life to understand and improve your health and well-being. Today, I'm talking with pelvic floor physical therapist, Dr. Danielle Bailey, to help understand why you might have some urinary leakage when you jump, run, or sneeze, or why you might have pain with sex. As one woman recently said to me, she had both, and she didn't know that wasn't normal, and she was too embarrassed to ask her friends or doctor about it. I totally understand, which is why we are diving in. Dr. Bailey has her doctorate in physical therapy with a specialty in women's health, specifically the pelvic floor, and she is a functional medicine coach. She has been practicing for 12 years and is the owner of 360 Health and Wellness, an amazing clinic in Plano, Texas, that believes your health is full circle, hence the name 360. Dr. Bailey really helps to set the stage of what is the pelvic floor to what causes those symptoms and even the lowdown on Kegel exercises. So it was an absolute pleasure to have her on today as we discuss this common yet taboo topic that everyone should understand. Here's a clip from today's conversation. I do evaluate patients when they come in, can you do an effective Kegel? But I don't focus on Kegels as part of my whole treatment plan. Because a lot of times people will come into the clinic and they'll say, okay, I'm doing my Kegels. And then I will look and assess to see how they're doing it. And they're recruiting every muscle group they've got to be able to do a Kegel. And so they're not really doing a Kegel effectively. So one thing is teaching them how to do an effective Kegel, not recruiting all these other muscle groups to help perform the Kegel. And then I also have to determine, are Kegels what you really need right now? Because some people, they have what we call an overactive pelvic floor. They're always squeezing, they're always tightening. And if you are contracting your muscle, and let me back up with saying a Kegel is basically a contraction of your pelvic floor muscles. So it's a way to help strengthen the pelvic floor if you're doing them correctly. But sometimes if you have a really overactive pelvic floor and you're doing a Kegel, that's actually worsening the issue. That's just a small taste of the amazing show that we have for you today. Hey, before we get started, I want to talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that, of course, is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. And if you're an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you are placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health. And Rupa is the best way to order, manage, and track results from over 25 different labs in one single place. Thank goodness, no need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. So if you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's get on with the show. Dr. Danielle Bailey, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yes, I'm glad to be here. So glad to be here. As we were saying before we got started that I used to refer patients back when I was in practice to pelvic floor physical therapists and they were like, first of all, I don't know what a pelvic floor is. And second of all, <laughs> I didn't know this kind of physical therapy existed. So I'm really pretty psyched to have you on to have you educate to pick your brain. And I know a lot of females are struggling with some of the things that we are about to talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So glad to, to be here. 
I love it. So why don't we start with the basics? Who are you? What do you do? What's your background? What's your training? So everyone knows. Yes. So I am a doctor of physical therapy and I've been in practice for 12 years, but of the last seven, I've been doing pelvic floor physical therapy. So I had an interest for it when I was in physical therapy school, but after graduating, I just kind of, I got a job in an outpatient clinic. They didn't have a program there. So it wasn't until I moved to Texas, I worked at a hospital and a colleague said, hey, you would be really good at this. Why don't you consider doing pelvic floor? And so I listened to her advice. I ended up covering for a friend on maternity leave who was also doing pelvic floor therapy at the time. And I fell in love with it. I was like, oh yeah, this is totally me. I found my jam. This is truly a passion of mine. So I've been doing it for the last seven years. And of the last year and a half, I started my own business, 360 Health and Wellness, where I am able to help women and men who struggle with pelvic floor issues. So that's a little bit about my background professionally. I am a mom of three kiddos, seven, five, and two, a wife, and we live here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So, Oh my gosh. And as you said, it's raining there today. I was expecting sun. That's I always picture when I think of Dallas, sun and hot. (laughs) Yesterday it was sunny and today it's all gloomy and and rainy. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get everybody on the same floor. You know, like what is the pelvic floor? Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of floors. And I think some people have a general idea. It's kind of like hormones. They know they go hormones. It's this broad umbrella term. I have hormonal issues like, oh, I have pelvic floor issues. But what is that? Yes, yes. That's the golden question. Every time someone comes in, what is that exactly? <laughs> so I'll back off by back up by saying first, what is the pelvis? And then what's the pelvic cavity? Just to give some context. So the pelvis is an area of our body that's located between the trunk and the legs. It's like this connection between the two parts, the upper half and the bottom half. And the pelvic cavity is the space, this area of our body that runs from the pubic bone all the way to the tailbone. Inside this pelvic cavity or this opening, other space, we have different organs like our uterus, our bladder, our colon, and we also have nerves and arteries and we have muscles. The bottom part of the pelvic cavity, the the bottom layer is considered the pelvic floor. So it's a layer of muscles that help support these internal structures. And so it has basically, I'd say three main functions One is to help support those internal organs, the bladder, uterus, colon. It also helps to maintain continence, so keeping us from peeing on ourselves or pooping on ourselves. And it also aids in sexual pleasure. So it has those three basic functions, and it's specifically the bottom layer of the pelvic cavity that helps support those different things. And people listening right now are like, Huh. I have issues with those things. Yes. (laughs) So can you be more specific? Why do men and women come see you? What are the symptoms they're coming in for pelvic floor health? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that's very common is I am peeing on myself when I cough, when I sneeze, when I laugh, or even when I exercise. I'll have some of the patients come in that are doing CrossFit or are very athletic They'll say, you know, I have to wear black leggings every time I go work out because I'll leak on myself and I don't want to, you know, show everybody that I'm peeing on myself. And so that's a very common issue that people come in for is urine leakage. Some say, hey, you know, every hour I'm going to the bathroom. So many people might have frequent restroom breaks. They're always going to the restroom. And then some other issues include like pain with sex. That's a very common one, one that many don't like to talk about. Pain with sex, you have women that are pregnant or postpartum 
Maybe they're dealing with some aches and pains during their pregnancy, or they're developing these issues of urinary leakage after having a baby. And then I'll have some people that come in for tailbone pain. A lot of times the men that I see, they come in with that issue. Maybe they're cyclists and they're having some discomfort there. And then um, another common one is constipation and even diarrhea. So that's another area that a pelvic floor therapist can treat as well. That's pretty well-rounded. And that actually pretty well covers a lot of symptoms that I hear all the time. Yeah, I mean, I know it's the world you're in, so you hear it all the time. But as someone who I focus on hormones, it's often, oh, by the way, like I feel hormonal and oh, by the way, I have leakage and or oh, by the way, I do actually have pain with sex or oh, by the way, I do find I'm going to the bathroom every hour. Is that related? So yeah. Yes. You're like, yes, (laughs) absolutely. It is. And we are going to really sort of dive more into the leakage and the pain with sex a little later. But I do want to ask this question. Do you have to have had children to have incontinence or leakage? Do you have to be a certain age? No, not at all. That's what's so fascinating about the pelvic floor. And I'd say physical therapy in general, because when you go to physical therapy school, you're trained and a lot of times I can't say most people go into an orthopedic setting, but you do have to have a really good orthopedic background to be able to connect everything together. I'll share, I had a patient come in last week, never been pregnant before, doesn't have children. She came in because of a hip issue. But after talking to her about this hip issue, we found out that she's going to the bathroom every couple of hours. She pees on herself when she coughs, sneezes or laughs, and she has pain with intercourse. And so Coming into me was great because now it's like, okay, I have this hip issue, but how am I going to connect that to the pelvic floor and help solve both? So you don't have to be pregnant. You can even be a kid. I had a 12-year-old patient before in the past that I've treated as well. So there are pelvic floor therapists that actually specialize in pediatrics. So it kind of ranges from being a kiddo to being a 95-year-old woman. Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. No wonder it's you call your business 360 because you really... Or 316, the whole thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the big elephant in the room that I have to just start off with first are are kegels, right? Everyone's... Yeah. And then, of course, the minute you say the word kegel, every woman in the world listening does one, performs one. (laughs) So what what are those? And are they solving problems? Are they what they are cracked up to be? Are they helping? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So the name Kegels actually was developed by a gynecologist, I believe in the 1940s. I think Dr. Arnold Kegel Kegel. (laughs) is his name. And I think it was was great. He developed this way, a non-surgical way to help women, help support them with incontinence. The problem is that, and I'll say this, I do evaluate patients when they come in, can you do an effective Kegel? But I don't focus on Kegels as part of my whole treatment plan. Because a lot of times people will come into the clinic and they'll say, okay, I'm doing my Kegels. And then I will look and assess to see how they're doing it. And they're recruiting every muscle group they've got to be able to do a Kegel. And so they're not really doing a Kegel effectively. So one thing is teaching them how to do an effective Kegel, not recruiting all these other muscle groups to help perform the Kegel. And then I also have to determine, are Kegels what you really need right now? Mm. Because some people, they have what we call an overactive pelvic floor. They're always squeezing, they're always tightening. And if you are contracting your muscle, and let me back up with saying a Kegel is basically a contraction of your pelvic floor muscles. So it's a way to help strengthen the pelvic floor if you're doing them correctly. But sometimes if you have a really overactive pelvic floor, 
and you're doing a Kegel, that's actually worsening the issue. Because what's happening is you have this tightened tissue that could be pressing on the bladder and it can cause you to be more, feel have this urgency to go to the bathroom more frequently because you have this tight tissue that's just irritating the bladder. The other thing is that if you are doing a Kegel ineffectively, you're actually trying to strengthen a muscle on type of a tight pelvic floor. So I have to work with the client to help them relax, downtrain, reduce all of that extra tension that we don't need, and then effectively strengthen the pelvic floor. So it's important to have that assessed so that you know if you're actually doing it correctly and if it's beneficial for you. I love that. And I would tell my patients that as well. I am not a physical therapist in any way, shape or form. But when I was in practice, I did quite a lot of gynecology and I would have women say, hey, can you assess and see if I'm doing a Kegel my well, right? Like, is this, yeah. my, how's my squeeze? You yes, know? yes. And a lot of times, like for lack of a better word, it would be like lopsided, right? Like I could feel right. one side uh, tighten much more than the other side. And it just got me thinking about when you said that you may be recruiting or, or everything gets recruited. The thighs get tight, yeah, right? Their, their buttocks muscles get tight. Their stomach, like they're doing, they're trying to really pull up with every muscle in the lower half of their body. Yeah. And like you said, it's like, not quite. (laughs) (laughs) Let's work on this. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. Well, it wouldn't be a good podcast if I didn't ask about those jade eggs. Because I do. Yes. Yes. All over social media. I get asked that all (laughs) the time. So I'm asking. (laughs) Are they Mm -hmm. effective? Do I use it? And so a jade egg or a yoni egg is basically little eggs that get inserted into the vagina. And the premise behind it is that if you use the yoni egg, you'll unconsciously or you'll naturally, I should say, contract your pelvic floor. And so I can understand why people say, oh, you should use yoni eggs. They're going to help with your urinary leakage. But it's not necessarily the case. I personally don't recommend the yoni eggs. I don't necessarily tell people don't ever use one, but I recommend the Kegel weights if I recommend weights at all. I believe in finding a a happy medium to where the patient is. And if they need that proprioceptive feedback to understand how to contract the pelvic floor effectively, then I can tailor it to what weight they need. And so I don't recommend the Yoni eggs. Some people use it and they find it effective, but I like to customize mine with the Kegel weights. And so one of the things that I think is important too to understand is that there's this philosophy, I should say, or this belief that many people think that yoni eggs help with sexual pleasure. They help with balancing hormones. I don't really know how it does all that, to be (laughs) honest. (laughs) I don't. So I don't think it has that benefit, in my opinion. And I've just found with the patients that I work with by really assessing the pelvic floor effectively, putting them on Kegel weights if they need it, we find the, the best results. So, And the key word there is assessment. You keep saying assessment, right? Because you're really trying to be personalized for that patient in front of you. Do we even start with weights before you jump into weights? Yeah. Like you may not, like we may have to backtrack a little bit and. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So. I had one patient come in and she's like, I think I need weights. I think I need Kegel weights. I said, well, let's back off a little bit. Let's see if we can build some awareness to your pelvic floor first before we invest in Kegel weights. And then I have some patients where it's just not, they're just not getting it right away or it takes a few sessions. And then I say, you know what, let's consider the Kegel weights. And that makes the world of a difference. So it's very customizable. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, let's get into some 
Hot topics. Yes. Let's start with incontinence or urinary leakage. I want to break that down further for people listening because I know a lot of my friends and colleagues as women, we've sort of all had that conversation or we joke about it or we see the funny videos on social media of people yeah. crossing their legs before they sneeze or cross their legs before they, yes. they cough because yes. they know what's coming. So can you really just sort of dive into that further? Yeah. So incontinence is just basically the inability to hold in urine. And for fecal incontinence is also a thing. So for some people, it's the inability to hold in stool. So I've seen people for both issues. What really goes on with incontinence, we'll talk about urinary leakages. I kind of like to say or to explain the fact that in our body, we have sphincters, which are basically circular types of muscles. And they serve as valves. So they allow things to come in. They prevent things from going out. They have different functions. So when we think about the urinary system, we have sphincters. And when those sphincter muscles are contracted, they hold the urine in. And when you have to urinate, those sphincter muscles relax and they allow the urine to come out of your body or to pee out or flow out, however you want to understand it there. And so what happens is when those sphincter muscles are weak, they don't have the ability to stay shut when we want it to stay shut. They open, especially with coughing, sneezing, laughing, exercise. That naturally puts this extra pressure, causing those sphincter muscles not to be able to contain themselves. And so they open without our voluntary wish for them to open, and that causes the leakage. So if we kind of look at the very detailed level of what's going on with our sphincter muscles, we want them to stay shut when we need them to stay shut, but we want them to open and relax when we have to urinate. And so if there's not enough muscular support there, it's going to cause us to leak, especially when we don't want to leak. Yes, <laughs> which is really annoying. When you said the wear, like having to wear black leggings. Yeah, I can relate. I mean, yeah. absolutely, right. It's common. Doesn't mean it's healthy or no normal like you should, right. but it is really common. And I actually, I think, I don't know if you experience this with your patients, but I don't think women know it shouldn't happen. Yes. Because it's so common. Yes. Their friends have done it. Their mom does it. Their aunties, their, you know, their older sister's like, yeah, well, you know, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I hear it all the time. Like, well, my grandmother said it would be normal. My mom said it's, it's normal and it's just <laughs> part of life. And I didn't know this was a thing that I could actually help and resolve. Mm -hmm. And so it's so true. It's sad in that for generations and generations, we've lived like this. But to know now that there are tools, there are resources, there is a way to help solve this issue, I think is just amazing. So what are those? <laughs> how do you evaluate? What do you do when they come in? What, how do you evaluate them? And then what are, I know it's very individualized, but what are some common treatment yeah. or things that you do just to prepare somebody who's listening? So when they have their visit. Sure, absolutely. So I think a great pelvic floor therapist will really take the time to sit down and just talk with you about your symptoms. And your symptoms, of course, can range as what we just talked about. They could be the leakage. They could be, I'm always going to the restroom all the time. But it's very important to also take a look at what your diet is like. Are you consuming foods that are irritating your bladder or irritating your GI system? It's very important to look at your stress level. How are you managing stress? Some people, they actually carry a lot of their stress in their pelvic floor. So that's something else to really take a look at and to talk about. Are you straining? We talk about toileting habits. When you're using the restroom, are you straining when you're trying to go, when you're urinating, or when you're having a bowel movement? 
Or are you fully relaxing? Because that's what you really want to do when you're having, when you're urinating or when you're having a bowel movement. So we talk about lifestyle. We talk about diet. We talk about what are you getting nutritively to help with supporting your pelvic floor? And then how long have your symptoms been going on? Did you have them as a child? And have they never been addressed? And now we're seeing them more prominent in your adult life. So asking all these questions are very, very important. Maybe for some individuals, they've had some traumatic experience in their life. For one that might have pain with intercourse, was there some type of trauma that's happened that's causing you to not be able to tolerate intercourse? In that case, I am not a trauma-based therapist. I will refer you out to one who can help with that. But I do think it's important to ask your clients these questions because then you can really provide them a holistic approach in helping with the pelvic floor. So the first part is just getting a good history of what's going on. Then I also look at your posture and alignment. I look at your hips. I look at how you stand. Everything connects. I look at your core, your abdominal core muscles. What are they doing? How are you posturing? Are you standing in a way that might put strain on those abdominal muscles because a weakened abdominal core correlates with a weakened pelvic floor. So I look at that as well. And then during the, after I look at the posture alignment, I will then do an internal exam. I don't use a speculum like you'll get from a gynecologist. So just with the insertion of my finger, I can test the muscles of your pelvic floor, see how you contract the muscles, see how you relax the muscles. And then I'll also look for prolapse. A prolapse is basically when those internal organs like your bladder, like your cervix, and some people even a rectum can descend through that vaginal opening. And so I'll check to see, do I see any of that going on and how can that be addressed as well? And then if you're someone who's having a lot of pelvic pain, I'll use a, a cotton swab test just to kind of palpate around the vulva to see if there's any nerves that might be irritated as well. And that really gives a full holistic picture of what's going on with the pelvic floor. That is incredible. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you're not yes. done. <laughs> no, no. And then we'll look at breathing mechanics as the pelvic floor and the diaphragm, they relate to each other. They have a mirroring motion. I look at that as well, because if we can't get a good breath work going on, that's going to affect what happens with the pelvic floor. And then after that, I will customize an exercise plan for the patient. We'll start here and then we gradually kind of build on that in order to get them to where they want to get to. So that's what I do when they come in. Hi. Yeah, I know so many listeners are like, well, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Can you go back to prolapse? I completely forgot to mention prolapse. And I think that's something, again, common, but not normal. Yeah. Can you explain more about that? Yes. So a prolapse is when those internal structures like your bladder, like your cervix, like your rectum can actually descend through your vaginal canal. For some people, it's all the way out of of your vaginal canal. They do, you can get it graded. There's a grade one, two, three, and four. A grade one, you can kind of see it. A grade two is a little further down. A grade three is right at the opening. And then a grade four is pretty much, I call it out the door. (laughs) Yeah. And so I've had clients who come in where they might have a grade four prolapse where that bladder is fully out of their vagina. And I've had to push it back inside their vagina. And so it can cause a lot of issues like the urinary leakage because obviously you don't have those muscles supporting those internal structures effectively. And so you can have more urine leakage. Sometimes women may need like a pessary, which is basically an internal 
which is a structure, which is a little device, I'm sorry, that you can insert into the vagina that will help support the tissues a little bit better. For some women, they might need to have some type of surgery. But regardless, even if you have to have surgery for a prolapse that has progressed, pelvic floor is still important because you want to reinforce what's been done surgically. And so in some cases, if it's not a bladder prolapse, you could have a, a cervical prolapse where that cervix is, is coming down. In that case as well, same type of, of treatment. We want to support the muscles to help support those internal structures. Some cases you do have to have a pessary. And then another type of prolapse is where you have, it's called a rectocele. That's where the rectum comes through the vaginal opening. And that is, I feel kind of the worst because for some women, when you have a bowel movement, that stool is coming through the vaginal opening. So a lot of times it does require surgical intervention. Sometimes you can do a lot with the pelvic floor. So it's just important, again, to get assessed, see what's going on and see if the pelvic floor in itself will help or if you need a little bit of both, some conventional medicine as well as the pelvic floor. So very common issue, not normal. And if you feel any heaviness or pressure in your vaginal area, that's a sign that you may have a little bit of a prolapse. And that's when you should go and get it checked. And don't let, if somebody does look, let's say you go for your annual physical and they casually mention it, oh, it looks like you've got a little bit of a prolapse here or some of a prolapse, don't let them blow it off. Exactly, exactly. Especially if you're like, yeah, I thought something was wrong. (laughs) I'm having symptoms. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You cannot blow it off. Cannot blow it off. When you're working with women on incontinence or leakage, are they doing things at home and with you in the office? Is it like a, yeah, they have homework? (laughs) Absolutely. It's kind of like your medicine or your supplements. If you don't continue what we're doing at home, what we're doing in the clinic at home, then we're not going to really go anywhere. And so clients that I work with, I recommend them doing their exercise program at least four times a week, at least four times a week. And this is very important because that's when you'll see your results improve. If you don't, if you're slacking, you'll come in and they'll be like, you know, nothing's really gotten better. I'll say, well, how many times are you doing your exercises? And sometimes it only takes like 15, 20 minutes. It's not like you're doing an hour to two hours of workouts every day on your pelvic floor. Four times a week is sufficient. And I know life gets busy. So I really do try to incorporate an exercise plan, especially for moms that maybe just had a baby. I try to incorporate things they can do while they're changing their baby, or maybe if they're unloading clothes from the dryer into the laundry basket, I try to incorporate it into their daily routine so that it doesn't have to feel like it's extra work. But four times a week minimum of what a patient will, I recommend them to do at home in addition to what we do inside the clinic. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about pain with sex next because that's another hot topic. And I saw on your Instagram that you had a post about how of course, in your view, pain should, sex should never hurt. Yes. And a lot of women hurt. Yes. Right. Yes. A lot of women hurt. So let's talk about this and different yes. reasons. And I've seen you list different reasons. And I love the way that you explain it on social media. Yes. So I'll talk about vaginismus for one. It's really an area, a type of condition that I've seen a lot more in the clinic lately. Mm. I don't know why. Um, maybe just people just realize that they need to come in and I think there are providers now that are referring more out to pelvic floor, but it's both a psychological and I say physiological condition where one might have the fear of, I've always had pain with 
gynecological exams. I could never use a tampon. Or when I tried to have intercourse in the past, it really, really hurt. And so I could see right away when I am assessing a patient, I can see when I'm trying to assess the pelvic floor, they're naturally just contracting their muscles. It's like right away, before I even try to insert anything, they're contracting their muscles. And so I have to say, okay, take a deep breath, calm down. Well, I don't say calm down. That's not really a a nice word to say. (laughs) I know what you meant, but yeah. (laughs) But just to, to calm themselves because... We're as I'm trying to assess the pelvic floor to help if they're more relaxed. Mm-hmm. And so not only is it a psychological thing, but when I do assess the muscles internally, there's a lot of tightness there because they're always contracting those muscles. Kind of like if you're someone who likes to do bicep curls and you'll see that bulky bicep muscle because you're always lifting, right? Same thing with the pelvic floor. And so one, we'll try to do a lot of things like physiological quieting to just help quiet their system, to relax. I use a lot of spa music in my practice to help relax patients. I will dim the lights just to have them do some deep breathing so that they can prepare and their body could be more receptive to tolerating an internal assessment. And so it's both physiological and psychological. And I share with clients all the time, intercourse should never hurt. It should be pleasurable. And if it hurts, then we want to find out why it's hurting and address that. I'll share a story of a client that I had not long ago. She came in, she and her spouse had been married for a little while and she was never able to tolerate intercourse and Mm. she wanted to have children. And it was just so sad to me that for all these years she was suffering. And so the first appointment was a little challenging in that we couldn't even do an internal exam at all. But the next appointment, it got a little better where I could insert a little bit of my finger And then it got better and it got better and got better. And so I was able to fully insert my finger to assess the pelvic floor. I also use something called dilators, which I didn't explain, which is where there's like little devices that you can insert into the vagina that come in different sizes. So we started at basic size one and it helps to stretch the vaginal tissue so that you can work up to the point where you are ready for intercourse. So we did that. We did a lot of internal work. And I have to say, after working with her for three months, she was able to fully tolerate intercourse with her spouse. And it was just so rewarding to just be a part of that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I said, okay, yes, you got this. It's a party. (laughs) And so it was just an amazing thing to be able to witness and to know that, you know, even though you've had this issue for all your life, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there are resources to help you. And I was happy to be a part of that. And so again, very common issue that that women have, but it can be supported. It can be addressed and you can have intercourse without pain. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here. This is fantastic. Do you see this more commonly like after childbirth? Do you see it or does it really seem to, obviously I, you had mentioned trauma, of course, earlier, mm-hmm. but do you tend to see patterns or do you, is it really pretty individual? It's really, really pretty individual. I will have clients that after having a baby, it's very painful for them. And I will have clients that have never had children, never been pregnant, who just haven't been able to have intercourse. So it does vary. And I'm glad you brought up that question because a lot of people think that, oh, if only I'm pregnant or if only I've had children, then I need pelvic floor. And that's not the case. A lot of my pelvic pain patients have not had children. 
And so being able to help them through that is just a sign to say, hey, you don't have to be pregnant to come in. You can just be someone who's experiencing these symptoms and get the help you need. Yeah. What about like accidents or falls, car accidents where this, the either tailbone or the sacrum low back area mm. or even the front, right? The hips. Can you explain how even that might affect the pelvic floor? Like, yeah. You know, I was thinking, and I have a friend who like crashed and burned skiing a couple of weekends ago and noticed mm. it really affected their pelvic floor. I've had other, other people slip and fall, land right on their booty. You know, I've had people had car accidents and not, we often think higher up with a car accident, whiplash, right? Yes. Upper neck, upper spine, but fail to think about, mm-hmm. I want people listening if they're like, oh my gosh, that's right. I've never been great since. Yeah that wherever I've been hitting the hips or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So tailbone pain, very common. I mean, you can even be riding a bike the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. Yes. (laughs) Or you can have a fall and it can just cause some motion, some unwanted motion into your tailbone. And so that can be very painful for people because they can't sit. They're sitting on one side, they're leaning. And it's very uncomfortable. And sometimes even it can affect your ability to evacuate stool Mm. if your tailbone, your coccyx is not in a position that's optimal for that stool to evacuate. So some of the things that I'll do with people that might have tailbone pain, I will do a rectal assessment. I'll insert my finger. And some patients laugh. They're like, I can't believe I'm coming to you to dig inside my bottom, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But they'll find that after just even sometimes the same session. I had one recently, I did an erectile assessment. She could not sit down. And with just mobilizing the coccyx a little bit, working on some of those muscles surrounding the coccyx, she felt so much better and was able to sit. So that's one thing that I'll do for people that have had accidents. They may have fallen on their tailbone. I will do an internal assessment when necessary. For people that may have had an accident where it affects their hips or their pelvis, They need not only mobilizations to help that, but also just working on optimizing your your muscles, looking at muscles that are really tight, like in your hips, looking at your core. How are you standing? How are you positioning? For some people, I had a a recent client where their hips were internally rotated. Mm. And so that was causing some issues on the front part of their pelvic floor. So if I can take you out of this internal rotation and give you this better alignment, that can help alleviate some of the issues you're having with this frequent urination. So really having this orthopedic mindset to where I got to look at hips too. I got to look at your back. I got to look at your core. I got to look at how you're moving. This whole chain is connected. I have to look at everything to help support your pelvic floor. So if you've had an accident and you notice you're not walking the same since you had your car accident, definitely see a pelvic floor therapist, especially if you're having symptoms like Ever since this accident, I've noticed leakage. Things are just not the same. Going to a pelvic floor therapist can help in that they will look at your alignment, they'll look at your posture, which will also support the pelvic floor. How great if people knew about this from like a young age, right? Generationally, we all just knew that these types of services were out there for us as opposed to, oh, here, take this pill. Yes. Here, take this pill and yes. either take this pain pill or take this there. I mean, there are, of course, there are medications on the market for frequent urination mm-hmm. and time and place, time and place. But my goodness, if they saw you and a couple of months 
root cause, poof. Yes. Felt so much better. Yes. Yeah. It would make a difference. Yeah. It'd make a difference. Mm-hmm. So I, obviously I'm going to let, we're going to let everyone know where to find you, but let's say they're listening and they can't find you or they're not in the Dallas area. And it's not like you can do this over Zoom. So yes. is there a network? Is there a way that people can find yeah. a physical therapist who specializes in the pelvic floor in their area? Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely go to APTA, the American Physical Therapy Association, APTA.org, and you can type women's health therapist and you can type in your zip code and it'll pull up all the pelvic floor therapists that are in your area. So that's one way that you can do it. There's also a directory called, I think, believe it's called the Pelvic Guru. Mm. And I think, I believe I'm, if I'm not mistaken, but the Pelvic Guru, they also have a directory of pelvic floor therapists that are in your area as well. Or if you want to use plain old Google, you can go on (laughs) google.com and just type pelvic floor therapist in your particular area. And when you go and find, when you find that pelvic floor therapist, look to see what they treat. Are they someone who does pediatrics? Do they see pregnancy and postpartum? Do they do all of the above? You want to find someone who can treat your specific condition. And so that's my recommendation for finding a pelvic floor therapist in your area. Thank goodness. Well, given that this is the Root Cause Medicine podcast, yes, and I'm all about practical and tactical, which you are too, which I love. Give us two or three sort of your top tips that listeners can walk away from today and have some action and feel empowered when it comes to their pelvic health. Yes. So one thing I'll mention is whenever you are urinating, whenever you're having a bowel movement, you want to be completely relaxed. Your urinary system works best when those pelvic floor muscles are relaxed. So no squatting over the toilet and trying to pee and and, and flee. <laughs> you want to be <laughs> you want to be completely Guilty. relaxed. Yes, <laughs> public especially, you know. Yes, yes, yes. And I understand, you know, in some cases you're in a public area, you don't want to sit on that nasty toilet. I get it. But as best you can, you want to sit down. You want to be fully relaxed when you're urinating. Same thing with, a, with bowel movements. Use a squatty potty. Be in a more comfortable position to allow for the stool to evacuate. That's one thing you can do. And it, it works wonders if you do that. Because when your pelvic floor system is completely relaxed, that allows for urine to flow more freely, allows stool to evacuate more freely. So that's one thing. Before you move on, you got to explain a squatty potty for those who don't know. Oh, yes, you're right. <laughs> so a squatty potty is basically a stool where you can put in, you put your feet on while you're having a bowel movement and it allows for what we call, and I want to get too detailed here, but your anal rectal angle to be in a more optimal position. What does that mean? It basically allows for the stool to evacuate much easier. And so if you think back in the day when people used to go in the, the outhouse to go have a bowel movement, they would be squatting to use the bathroom. And so the squatty potty helps to mimic that same position so that when you're having a bowel movement, it's much easier. So that's a squatty potty. If you don't have a squatty potty, you can use a step stool that your kids have. That works wonders too. You can use that. It's about the right height. Yes. (laughs) It's it's not very tall. I don't want people thinking it's like a bar stool. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a little, just a couple inches off the ground works great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So using that for bowel movements is, is great. The second thing I'll mention is your diet. It's very important to look at your diet. It's one thing that I am truly passionate about talking with patients too, because if your diet is not in order, 
it's going to affect everything. So thinking about bladder irritants, are you, some bladder irritants include caffeine, a lot of citrus fruits, chocolate, those types of things can irritate the bladder. They can make you go to the bathroom more frequently. And so that's one thing to consider. And I'll also say having a good fibrous diet. Are you eating lots of fruits and vegetables and drinking adequate amounts of water? Because sometimes if you are not doing those things, you'll be more constipated. And if you have this backed up stool, well, that can put pressure on your ureters, which can cause you to have this issue for, oh my gosh, I got to go to the bathroom all the time. So you want to be able to evacuate stool freak daily at least. You want to have adequate amounts of water, vegetables, fruits to help give your GI system what it needs so that you are optimizing your GI the best way you can. So definitely thinking about diet, thinking about toileting habits are my two big tips I would definitely recommend for anyone listening to consider. And then finally, if you're having symptoms, don't ignore it. Listen to your body. If you notice yourself leaking with coughing, sneezing, laughing, exercise, if you notice yourself having frequent restroom breaks, or if you're like, you know what? I only go to the bathroom three times a week. Having a bowel movement three times a week. That's an issue. You want to get that assessed. So listen to your body, watch what you eat, and make sure when you are having a bowel movement or urinating, you are fully and completely relaxed. Does being in the bathroom on your phone count as relaxed? A lot of people have, as we know, it's the ongoing joke. People will take their phone in and then sit. So how do you feel about the sitters for long periods of time (laughs) on their phone? Yeah. What I'll say to that, there is something called a call to stool where you want to feel the urge to go. Sometimes sitting on the, the toilet for an extended amount of time is not very beneficial for you because sometimes you might be straining trying to get the, the stool out and you can't. But I will say if you're someone who naturally rushes and you try to be quick with having a bowel movement, then hey, take your phone, play a game of dominoes and just relax so that you can evacuate completely. So that's kind of what I would say to those who take their phone to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, all of them right now are like, yes. (laughs) Okay, as we wrap up, this has been amazing. I am so thankful that you agreed to come on because this is a good topic and hardly, not hardly anybody knows about it, really. You have to have stumbled upon it yourself, been referred or turned like your friend got referred. And then you're like, what? What is that? So I'm really glad you're on here. Tell everyone where they can find you, all about you, your website, your clinic, everything. Yes. So the name of my business is called 360 Health and Wellness Services. I have a Plano location. I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I'm in Plano. And I also have a Dallas location. My website is www.360hws.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at 360 underscore health coach. That's where you can find me. And Facebook too. My Facebook page is 360 Health and Wellness Services. So that's where you can find me. If you're ever interested in just scheduling a discovery call, you can do that via Instagram or even on my website. And I will be happy to chat with you. And she's got a wealth of information on both her Facebook and and Instagram. You will learn a lot about pelvic health just from social media. So I highly encourage you follow her. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you so much. Yes. Well, thanks for being on today. I really just appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 
Yes, it's been a pleasure. I'm so glad that I got to connect and share more about this. So thank you so much for the invitation. Me too. It's I think the listeners are absolutely going to be overjoyed to learn pain with sex or incontinence leakage prolapse is something that they probably should go address. And now they have a lot more education and tools around it. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.